Welcome to WeAreTechnology.com's User-Friendly 2.0 with host Bill Sickens, Technology Architect. And this is User-Friendly 2.0. Got a great show for you this week, this week before Thanksgiving. Jeremy, Gretchen, Bill, welcome to the show. Thank you. Hi there. So what are you guys doing for, for Turkey Day next week? We'll be cooking. We're going to have our own little family turkey stuff with all the family recipes and cool stuff like that. Well, that sounds like a lot of fun. I don't know if I'm going to be doing anything. We've got so many restrictions here. We can't go anywhere. It's not safe and all of that. So uh, we might just be home. Bill, what well, are you doing? I think I'm uh, pretty much just staying home. So, so we're all staying home. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe we need to figure out and do another review on the uh, Oculus uh, Quest. Yeah, that would be fun. Might be a good day for it. And uh, see how all the networking works and all that type of thing. So I think uh, we'll let you know how that goes. But uh, hopefully everybody has a great Thanksgiving. On Tech Wednesday, we've got some information on how to use technology if you have to go virtual this year like so many of us do. Different video conferencing options and some of the other things that are out there to just make it a little more in-person. Tech isn't going to replace in-person contact, but at least it can help us a little bit this year. Today's show, we've got your Q&A. We're going to be looking at popular programming languages. We've had a lot of questions come in from you on this. If you're out trying to find a new job, what is a good programming language to know? What are they looking for? What do the employers actually want? So we're going to go through some of the top languages and talk about different aspects of them, what it takes to learn them, all of that type of thing. One of the other things we have this week, which we haven't done in a while, is a movie review that's going to be coming up here in a couple of minutes. Today's news is brought to you by the Be Local, Buy Local holiday shopping campaign sponsored by the Sherwood Chamber of Commerce and Metropolitan Land Group. Save up to 20% on gift cards and support local businesses impacted by the pandemic. Go to SherwoodChamber.org for more information. So what's in the news? Apparently, there's a new Meow Talk app. Yeah, this one's interesting for pet lovers. Researchers are coming up with this, and they're using machine learning to be able to communicate with you what your cat is trying to communicate with you. They say that when cats meow, they don't talk exactly, but they have nine different vocalizations, and this app is able to understand those and be able to convert them into human understandable speech. Some of these things include stuff like I'm hungry or I'm in pain or that type of a thing. The app right now is in beta. I've been playing with it a little bit, but um, it looks like it still needs a lot more beta. But I think if they can get this working, it'll be pretty cool. One of the other features that's going to be coming in the production release is that in addition to the basic interpretation of meows, you can add your own, sort of like you can customize it to your own cat. Cool. Neat. Yelp has been replacing phone numbers. Yeah, this claim is out there, and I did a little checking on it to try to confirm it, and it looks like this is actually happening. So Yelp is a site that has worked as an online Yellow Pages kind of for a long time. You can get ratings of restaurants and pictures of food and all different things like that. But they entered into a partnership with some of the meal delivery companies like your Grubhubs and those type of things. And since then, they've been kind of quietly replacing the phone numbers you get through their site from the actual restaurant number to the number for Grubhub. So what happens is it calls that number. You still place your order with the restaurant, but now that service gets 20% of the order or whatever their arrangement is. And you don't know that you didn't call the restaurant directly. So needless to say, this is creating some controversy, especially in this day and age with 
how heavy uh, restaurants have been hit with the shutdowns and different things like that. If you want to order through a service, that's fine. But if you think you're calling the restaurant, it seems like you should actually be calling the restaurant. Agreed. UK to ban sales of petrol and diesel cars in nine years. Nine years sounds a lot less than uh, 2030, which is when this is. But uh, we are looking at nine years away that in England, you will no longer be able to buy traditional gasoline-powered or diesel-powered cars. They are going to allow the hybrid models until 2035, so for a little bit longer. And then after that, everything will be required to be electric. So it's going to be interesting to see if they can actually pull this off. And if so, how it'll work. I know they're going for a carbon neutral setup in the next few years, and this is part of going in that direction. Scotland has achieved that, so it is definitely possible to do. But there are a lot of things, including a complete change of your infrastructure that go along with switching out. And then the other side of it is, is you would have to support both petrol and electric for some time to come, because just because they stop selling them doesn't mean everybody no longer has them, you know? Yeah, because you have vintage car owners, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? Yeah, or your 2029 that happens to be gasoline-powered, so yeah. Yeah, yeah, they're going to have to do a lot of interesting work there. I mean, it is completely feasible, though, for the UK being their, it's a logistics thing. I mean, they're not very big. No, I had to explain to someone, like, the drive for me to get to the nearest Walmart is longer than it takes to get across, I think, you know, the Midlands. (laughs) Yes, this this is true. (laughs) The Netherlands is like that. I remember going there, too. If you drove from, say, Portland to Sacramento, you would be in the ocean, you know, or in Russia. That's about how the difference in, uh, in, in things are. So it does make it easier to do these kind of rollouts in a smaller country, you know, so maybe it'll make sense for them to give it a try and see how to do it on a bigger scale. So apparently Zoom is going to be removing their time limits for Thanksgiving. So on Tech Wednesday this week, we look at some of the technology that's going to make Thanksgiving easier this year. A lot of us won't be able to get together like normal. A lot of the governors are asking that we actually all cancel our Thanksgiving plans. So a lot of this is going to move virtually. And Zoom, to try and help out with that, has removed the limitation from their free account, which is normally 40 minutes, on Thanksgiving Day so that you can actually have a Zoom call and have it last as long as you want. Wow. Okay. Hey, guess what? Baby Yoda, a.k.a. the child, goes to the space station. So, yeah, I thought this was kind of cool. They uh, took him up last week. Uh, Is, you know, talk about pop culture (laughs) meeting actual culture, and I thought this was all kind of cool. SpaceX did a run, and Baby Yoda was on board. And since we have a minute here or two, have you guys seen the uh, latest episode of The Mandalorian? Oh, yeah. Yes. So we're done with the news. Go ahead and tell us about the latest episode of The Mandalorian. Okay, well, they've dropped three of them. They have. And um, actually four, but we, we, we're not going to talk about the fourth one right now. And um, mm. actually, they've been really good. There have been some wonderful surprises. Um, in the first one, there's somebody wearing a set of armor that he obtained uh, from somewhere. And I love how the fact that it doesn't quite fit him right. He looks great in, great in it, but it, you could tell he's too tall. He's taller than the original person. And, um, there's some controversy about some of, uh, the, the child's behavior. Um, which, you know, if you have a kid or pets, They'll do things you don't want them to do. <laughs> yes, the second episode is all about what he will or won't eat. <laughs> oh, how nice. And some really, really scary stuff, too, yeah. which will have you sitting on the edge of your seat going, no, no. So you've got to watch that. And the third episode is 
more Mandalorians. Yeah. Uh, Lots of Mandalorians. Yeah, and you're going to see a favorite. If you've been watching The Clone Wars or Rebels, you're going to see a Mandalorian in there that we all love. So I'm not going to give it away, but I think I could guess. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so I have not seen beyond the first episode of this season yet, so it sounds like this will be something on my to-do list. So did you like it? I like the first one. Yeah, I know. I, okay, it, it cool. kept my attention. I really, uh, you know, it seemed like a good way to start the season and kind of bring everybody back in and that type of thing. And, you know, a lot of hack and slash kind of thing. So that was kind of fun to watch. But uh, I did like the fact that the Star Wars universe now has orcs. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> They've always had those. Those guys yes, have been they, there since the beginning. <laughs> yes. They, well, at least since Return of the Jedi. I just no, never remember them looking quite like the orcs. What are they actually called in Star Wars? Gretchen, you Gamorians. know. Gamorians. Okay, yeah. Gamorians. So big, very, very similar. pig-like guys. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so what I would know as an orc, uh, anyway, it was uh, <laughs> definitely worth the watch. And the other ones sound like they will be. So uh, yeah. it'll be kind oh, of yeah. interesting to check them out. So this week, we actually do have a movie v- review, and it's coming right up. The Sound of Metal is a movie that is being released by Amazon Studios. The premise is a heavy metal drummer's life is thrown into free fall when he begins to lose his hearing. And this movie follows along his life as he figures out that he's starting to have hearing problems to a point when he completely loses his hearing and kind of a review of what he's going to do about it. The movie does keep your attention. I think it's reasonably well done. Has a few nude scenes, that type of thing. Has an R rating, so just be prepared for that if you watch it. But the story is decent, the acting is good, and it's something worth seeing, especially right now when there isn't a lot of new stuff coming out. It's going to be available in limited release this weekend, and then it's streaming on Amazon Prime on December 4th. This is User Friendly 2.0. We've got a great show for you. Join us after the break. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. We're going to be talking a little bit about programming languages, job postings, and what employers are looking for. So if you say you're a programmer, what exactly does that mean? And there's a list that Dice.com has given us that goes through some of the top languages. I have found that the reality of what I've seen is maybe a little different from this list, so we'll talk about that a little bit. But starting at the top of the list is a language called SQL. Now, does anybody know what that is? I'm going to take that as a no. Um, I do, sort of. Okay. I mean, yeah, I do, but... (laughs) And doesn't it have to do with uh, setting up databases? Yeah, basically, Gretchen, you're right on point there. And it's interesting because this is actually the uh, well, first language I ever uh, learned was something called Turbo Pascal, which we don't use anymore. But the first marketable language I got was SQL. And SQL is an uh, an interesting language in that it doesn't do anything without the use of another language, really. And what I mean by that is the acronym SQL is Structured Query Language. And what it is is a way, like you say, Gretchen, to pull stuff out of a database. So using the language directly, you could list stuff that was in a table in a database to your screen. That's about it. However, it has become probably one of the most sought-after languages of anybody being a developer out there because so many different things use this as a part of other languages, other pieces of a website, that kind of thing, to do all of the database-driven 
back-end work. And there's different flavors of this. Microsoft has a language uh, that's a subset of it. There's standard SQL. There's even one called NoSQL, which is a whole other thing. But the point of it being is it is definitely a good starting point. I found with me, even though what you do with it initially is kind of boring, it is definitely something that makes for the interactive components of a lot of different applications working, whether that's a website or an app for a phone or whatever, to be able to look up information. And then the next language that's widely used, according to Dice.com, is Java. And JavaScript, if you've heard of that, is different. We'll get to that in a minute. Java is a programming language where you can write your own application. started out with desktop apps a number of years ago. Never really took off of that, but it is the primary language now that's for Android apps. So that's where we're seeing it be used in a lot of different things. Now, Java in some way or another exists in a lot of our smart devices. A lot of things like electronics in the car, Blu-ray players, all that kind of stuff is run by Java. So it is definitely out there. It's just one that you would see, again, mostly as part of something else, or you wouldn't necessarily know it's Java. Now, the third one on the list kind of surprised me, and that's Python. What does Python do? It's a, it's another coding language. It's an older one. Right now, from what it seems like, it's more or less used for is mathematical computation. It does that quite well. Things like a Raspberry Pi computer that we talked about last week operate hmm. on on Python. So, yeah, a lot of the smaller controllers like the Python and that smaller board that I cannot remember for the life of me, even though I have like two of them. <laughs> yeah, no, it's but, out there. Yeah. It's out there. So, so would this uh, would Python be used in a controller for a gaming system? You might more see- like a controller for a uh, CNC machine. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it hmm. does a lot more. It's a uh, uh, robotics use Python a lot for doing the uh, various pieces of that. Our uh, 3D printers use it. Yeah, 3D oh, pr- okay. yeah, the 3D printers would be a, a, a really good example. So you're definitely seeing it out there in a lot of mechanical things, and uh, a lot of different people are looking for that in Java applications. And the next one on the list is JavaScript. So we talked about Java. Java and JavaScript are actually two entirely different things. And what JavaScript is, is it's something that works with web pages usually to make the site look pretty and function in a certain way and that type of thing. So if you go to a website and it has a calculator and you put in one plus one and it tells you it's two, chances are that's running using JavaScript. And this is a language that goes back uh, a long time. Oh, back to the days of HTML2, I think. And you saw it out there for the purpose of uh, trying to take the web and make it a little bit more than just a text-based medium. So we still have it. There's a lot of subsets of of it. If you're looking at uh, job offerings and that type of thing, you may see requests for things like jQuery, uh, React. These kind of things are all subsets based on JavaScript platform one way or another. So definitely something that's out there. It's something that I have fought with over the years. Um, I think that when it first came out, it really was something substantial, but they kind of kept it. And as things have gotten more modern all the way around it, it still does a lot of stuff in its original way. And some of that's really good, and some of it is not so good. So, all right, next language on the list here is Microsoft C Sharp. And yeah, I don't know if I agree with this being in this position. I, as someone that's been a recruiter myself from time to time, there have been calls for the Microsoft.NET languages, of which C Sharp is one. But it doesn't seem to be as widely used. C++ is next on this list, and I think I would put that uh, first. 
Now, these are both older programming languages that have newer versions of them out that went back oh, to the 90s and earlier that you would have learned how to do desktop application programming in. They are used now for websites and web applications and interactive materials and all of that kind of thing. But it is definitely uh, definitely a situation where <clears throat> that is an opinion. And then finally on their list, they have Ruby and Ruby on Rails. Gretchen, have you ever heard of this? Yes, I have. Yeah, I think you and I worked on a Ruby project once a number of years ago. It's been a while. And Rails is the server, Ruby is the language. And this was a lot more popular a few years back, but it is definitely still out there and used. And this is one of the other things to be aware of. In something like 80% of the hiring cases, you're taking over for what somebody else has done previously. So you have what's called legacy code. So even though you have a language like Ruby, which may not be deployed as much now as it was a few years ago, you still see a lot of it out there because it already exists. And companies have invested in these infrastructures and stuff, and they don't really want to have to just make it go away and deal with something else. And then the last one, which is not on this list, which I know should be, is a language called PHP. And this is very, very similar to the C language. It's used for something like 80% of the internet that does Linux and some other things. SQL, you can build your SQL apps into it and all that kind of stuff. It runs completely on the server. So it's not something you would see as a user, but it's the back end. It's the language in there making the back end work on many, many, many websites. So hopefully this gives you a 10,000 foot view to answer that question. This is User Friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. This is the part of the show where you ask questions and we give you answers. How do you get us your questions? Send them in to us. Social media, one user-friendly on Facebook, one user-friendly on Twitter. Give us a phone call, 503-766-6264, or you can go to our website, userfriendlynation.com, and submit your questions there. What do we have for this week? If I'm applying for a job in technology, do I need to meet the job listing requirements completely? This is a question that the answer can be a little bit controversial, so I'm going to answer it this way. As somebody that has sat on both sides of that table over the years as a recruiter and as an applicant, I, my experience has been that no, you do not normally need to meet the application completely or the job requirements completely. A lot of times these companies will shoot for the moon and they don't always get that, so what they do is they go through and see who closely matches it maybe doesn't have all of the skill sets, maybe something they can train on. So when it comes down to it that we want you to have a you know, doctorate in some kind of technology and 100 years of experience, and you don't have both of those things, still go ahead and apply for the job because you might just get it. I've had that happen. I know that it is a thing, and it's just the way that the industry works. What is the Kessler effect? We talked about this at the uh, Silicon Valley Comic Con a few years ago when we had that interview with NASA. Uh huh. And um, it's kind of a scary thing, and it is a thing, especially with SpaceX and other companies shooting up so many satellites right now. They're shooting up satellites in the hundreds in the last year or yeah. two. And the idea has to do with space pollution. So you have a situation where you have debris in orbit, and because of the way that orbits and speed and all that type of thing work in space, you have one item that maybe will hit another satellite and knock it out of orbit. So now that becomes space junk. 
And that satellite hits another one and knocks it out of orbit and gets to a point where everything is all messed up. This is something that we've seen in sci-fi, but according to NASA, it is a very real possibility and something they are concerned about. And if this happens, we would lose our satellite communications for probably about three generations is about the time it would take for all the junk to fall back into orbit so that the, it would be clean enough to be able to use the orbital space again. Oh, that'd be bad. Mm. I, are they doing anything to clean it up? Or do you know? Um, not really. Uh, <laughs> they do okay. bring satellites back when they can, and a good portion of them do fall back into orbit and burn up, or sometimes they come through orbit and they recover them. So there is some effort to do that. But we've talked in the past, though, there's a satellite from the 1960s that was silent and just came back on about 10 years ago. So there is a lot of junk out there, too. And it's not easy to go out and just pick this stuff up. And if something really bad happened, it would become a, you know something that would I think would further motivate them to try and clean it up. But at this point, not formally. Do I need to buy a new television for my PS5? The store said I did. I'm sure they did. Yeah, <laughs> jerks. <laughs> okay, according to Sony, on the PS5 specifically, and these same specs actually work for the new Xbox, the unit will work with a high-definition television or higher. So if you still have an old 480i picture tube TV with a coaxial input, no, it won't work with that. But if you have a high-definition TV, even an older one, it will turn on, you will be able to see an image. Now, that being said, these are designed for higher-end televisions. The output is actually capable of 8K uh, or 4K at 120 frames per second and all kinds of other things that in order to be able to realize the resolution and see that kind of a thing, you will need a higher-end television. And if you get a higher-end television, there will be a difference. But when it comes to the holidays this year, if you get a PS5 and you plug it into your existing television, as long as it's HD or higher, the unit will turn on and you will be able to use it. Can is I just H chime in? Oh, yes. Sure. Okay, first of all, if you're at that level of where you're gaming, usually you're going to have to switch to a monitor instead of a TV. If, but we're talking if you are professional league, you know, getting sponsors, not everyday people, you probably can run, you know, a 1080 and be just fine. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong, you're, it's going to be pretty in 4K, but unless you're running a 100-inch screen, an 8K isn't going to do you anything. Yeah. <laughs> and that's really, really what it comes down to. I do think there's a viewable difference between 1080 and 4K, but then there's different versions of 4K. There's a 2.1 HDMI, which is another standard for ultra-high definition, you know, and all kinds of stuff out there. But the thing of it is, is to get things started, the television you have will most likely work as long as it's HD or higher. Does HP only offer subscription ink? Yes, and I do want to touch upon this because we talked about this from a listener question a couple of weeks back. And HP has been doing a program just to recap where you subscribe to your ink. Every month they send you ink for that amount of uh, work. And then if you go over it, you have to pay extra and you pay by the page. I think it's important to point out here that HP still offers where you can just buy ink too. So it's not required that you do it that way. It's just something that they're offering to try to get into a subscription model. This is User Friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. Joining us now, Steve Mailer. Well, guys, thank you so much. Well, you know, this week I'm uh, having a chance to sit down with 
someone who and normally when I do these, it's with people that I've either worked with or I've known for a while. But today, we're actually sitting down with a very lovely young lady who I'm learning a lot about. And I actually found her on Facebook. Her profile says that she's an author. And her profile also says, says that she's done a lot of interesting film work. Her name is Michelle Tipton. Michelle, thank you so much for joining me today on User Friendly. Thank you for having me, Steve. So um, your profile, the, one of the things that caught my attention is that you've done quite a lot of films or at least a handful of films. And, and as a filmmaker, how, how did you begin? How did you get into media? Writing. Writing. Okay, so writing. Like, like, like a screenwriter. Mm-hmm. Oh, very good. So, um, and that kind of makes sense. Because uh, your profile also says that you've written a book. Yes. Or is it is it a book or have you written a series of books? I have one book currently out. Um, I was in the process of working on more until I started doing the film writing. Okay. Um, it's a children's book. It's actually children's self-help. Um, oh. Yeah. It's teaching children to do self-imaging. Um, the mom's perspective on teaching the child um, self-imaging before she reached kindergarten. Oh, okay. So, and then they started implementing it into the schools and um, started teaching the kids while they were at school how to focus on their appearance and what's below that and bringing that to the surface. And what is, do you, in it, what's the working title? Um, the Mommy book? See Me. Oh, okay. So, um, now how did, because screenwriting and writing a book are very, very different. <laughs> Very big learning curve for me. <laughs> yeah. Because is, is this part of a, a background that you had before, or this is just something that you've fallen into? Um, my whole family, oh. um, writers, um, entertainment, uh, musicians. Uh, really? Yes. Yeah. Wow. So it's a family thing. Yes. Nice. <laughs> okay. So tell us about some of the, the films that you've already been involved in or that are completed? Um, right now, um, a lot of them are in the works of pre-production. Oh, still um, pre-production? Yeah, pre-production. Oh, okay. I was down in Arizona for a while. I got to, I was on set with a lot of um, background work, um, things that were in pre-production at the time. Okay. And then Arizona was the same thing. And technically this last couple of years, um, all of the work has been like stand-in, learning, um, until I went on to Conspiracy Child, which I wrote, um, we're in the process of, we were supposed to go into filming in okay. April. Okay. Well, then COVID hit. Yes. And shut everything down. Yes. Um, so Conspiracy Child. Yes. That's yes. a great title. Yes. What, can you give us a little bit of a synopsis of what that story is about? It's about the fallen angels going at war for... One of the girls that is, well, my character, which she it gives birth to the new female god. Um, oh. Yeah. Okay. Something that kind of really is a touchy subject. Okay. Which was <laughs> perfect for COVID shutdown. <laughs> Honestly, we're like, oh, maybe we did this. Wow. So, it's fun because the, the first thing that you made me think of when you said fallen angels, uh, I thought of Lucifer. Yes. Um, which is uh, a really fun... I mean, I, I've enjoyed uh, the, the Netflix series. I know it was on, I think, Fox originally. But yes. when you said Fallen Angels, I was like, oh, it's so okay. So it's kind of like in the the angels and devil and God yes. uh, genre. Okay. It, it's kind of like Da Vinci Code okay. and, yeah. and those, you know, a lot of heavy CGI. Wow. Um, 
a lot of it that we could have worked on um, right now is kind of taken a back seat. Right. So, you know. So the, the intent of this was a, a full length feature film? A full length feature okay. film. It's supposed to be dubbed in nine different languages okay. um, all over the world. Um, we were going to travel, but. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Hands up. I don't know what we're doing now. So where where is the the central part of the story? Is it does it take place all over the world? We it it originally was planned that we were going to rewrite it so that it fits where we're able to film. Okay. Oh, yeah. Um because we can't travel overseas right now. Right. Um we don't know when that's going to happen or um you know, it's putting everything on a kind of a it, if we just neutralize it, use what we have with technology base. We might yeah. be able to, you know, film within Utah, New Mexico, right. or and, here. A lot of it here. If we can keep it local, I would love okay. to do that to support wow. our community. It's important to me. Yeah. So, I mean, and no one knows exactly when our, and what our new normal is going to be, nope. for one thing. But, um, and considering that we're, we, we seem to be getting reaffected by uh, another wave, re, mm-hmm. um, you know, unfortunately, infections are are still happening to a large degree. So who knows when things are going to open up again? Exactly. So, hmm, um, so the so nothing that you have written as as a screenplay, no, nothing has been done as a what would you say like a, something that's already been released? No, okay. not not yet. Um, okay. That was in the works, and I have uh, three others that. Well, I have Ballers Code, um, okay. Dreamweavers that I'm Ooh. working on myself. Okay. Yes, and that you're gonna love that one. Ooh. Okay. Um, yes, and then I have a couple others that I'm working on out of Michigan with another co-writer, um, a friend of mine. Okay. Um, as soon as things we we don't know, all we can do is write right now. Yeah. Okay. And train in within our own places. Right. Um, because nothing is open to be able to do that. So you, you just you just mentioned training. What's yes. what is the training? I train in my. I had to open up a gym within my house. Oh, I, okay. So physical training. I I physically train. My my roles are very very active. I don't want to have a stunt person oh. in my role because I can do that. I was a gymnast, so. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so for me, it's important to be able to keep myself in shape mentally, physically, and spiritually to be able to do these roles when we do open or however it's going to work out. So conspiracy child that it has a lot of action. It sounds like, okay, Very. wow. A lot of, a lot of what would have been stunt work if you were going to use a, a stunt, stunt double, like no. really dangerous stunts. Um, some, yeah. <laughs> like fight sequences or, yes. or falling I'm fully off trained in that. <laughs> wow. So what, what kind of training? When, when so, you say training, what, what does that mean? Like martial sorry. arts? Um, I do that. I, I kickbox. I have a okay. whole kickboxing studio. So anything that needs to be done, I am, I'm. Okay, guys. So I'm, I'm basically sitting and talking to Buffy the Vampire Slayer because she's very pretty, very blonde and. Not, I wouldn't say necessarily petite, but a small package. So I guess um, dangerous things do come in small packages. So in other words, uh, don't mess around with Michelle. Um, okay, this is very interesting. So, um, so right now it's kind of a waiting game to see what's going to develop, like, yes. like with everything. Yes. I, we were going to shoot for another um, date that was supposed to happen in October. Okay. Again, it got put off um, yeah. along with a lot of events. We have a lot of um, 
volunteer events around the community that keep getting put off also. Yeah, it's hard because everything's closing because a lot of what we do on the show or go to things like Comic-Con and mm-hmm. Gaming World and, and we can't because yes. everything's shut down. Well, um, hopefully things will open up because I'm very interested in seeing what you've been developing. And I do appreciate you being on our show today, Michelle Tipton. So, ladies and gentlemen, be on the lookout because we think we have some fun things coming down the pipe. Bill, Jeremy, and Gretchen, guys, take it away. Steve, thank you. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User Friendly 2.0. I can't believe Thanksgiving is already almost here. Mm-hmm. Only a few more weeks till Christmas. Yes, Ugh. yes. This year's gone by faster, and frankly, I kind of wish it would go by even faster uh, for for other reasons. <laughs> 2020, yeah. the year that took a decade. Yeah, the year that took yeah, a decade exactly. is right. Is right. <laughs> Seems like. So great show this week, guys. And, uh, yeah. you know, we were talking a little bit about Mandalorian, and I know there's some other shows that have dropped onto streaming on Netflix, The Crown. And Gretchen, I know that's one that you follow. Yeah. Yeah. We've watched the previous ones, and um, this particular set has been really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, 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 the film work, the acting, the introduction is always really cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, the music that they choose to set the mood. Um, there are some really gut-wrenching, heartbreaking scenes in this season. So that anybody that's just- not familiar with this, with the series at all, what is The Crown? Can you give us a little bit of a synopsis overall? It basically centers around the reign of Queen Elizabeth II, okay. you know, the current monarch of, of the UK. All right. So it's in multiple seasons, obviously. Yeah, it's four seasons. It's like it, it's a really well thought out political drama. Okay. And there there is humor and whatnot. Yeah. But the first season and the second season cover the first few years. The third and fourth season are covering later now. It's like right now it's they're in the eighties. Yeah, with Princess all the Di. weird all the weird stuff that happened then. Yeah. You know, it's like hmm. So yeah, no, it sounds really cool. Hey, Bill, we have a question for you since we have a little bit of time left here from one of our listeners and the uh, thing you did on Tabletop Gaming. They want to run their first role-playing game over the Thanksgiving holiday. It's something to do. What version would you recommend they start with? Uh, as far as role-playing games? Yeah, as far as role-playing games. Fantasy role-playing games. Honestly, I'd just start with 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons. It is one of the easiest. Uh, there is another easier system called Dungeon Slayers. I can't remember where I found it online, but it was free. Um, it's real simple. But, you know, if it's your first game, just start with something real simple like that. There's a couple of uh, Grant Hewitt games that are real easy to get pick up, and they're free. You can find online. And they may or may not require dice. Okay, so there's your there's your place to start. I feel your pain. I'm going to be doing my first running my own game with uh, Star Trek here in the upcoming week, so we'll see how that goes. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I I hope you're still looking forward to it after we try it. (laughs) (laughs) I have not run a game probably in 15 years, so this is going to be an interesting experience. It's entirely a new system. I actually did break down and order the book, so I have a hard copy I can look at. So we'll uh, we'll have to see how that goes, and I'm sure uh, I will have some comments in upcoming things the rest of this holiday season. 
Have a great, wonderful, safe Thanksgiving. Until next week, this is User-Friendly 2.0, keeping you safe on the cutting edge. User-Friendly 2.0 is copyright 2020, User-Friendly Media Group, Inc. The views and opinions expressed in this show are those of the host and not necessarily User-Friendly Media Group, Inc. or this station. Music licensing by BMI. Hosting provided by WeAreTechnology.com. Podcast available at TheAnswerPortland.com or UserFriendlyShow.com.